Hi, and welcome to Check Your Thread, the podcast that will help you sew more sustainably. My name's Zoe, and I'm obsessed with sewing. I've been blogging about it for over 14 years, and I'm the creator and host of the popular handmade wardrobe challenge, Me Made May. But like many people, I've become increasingly concerned about the climate crisis and the way that my lifestyle contributes to it. So in this podcast, I'll be nerding out about making clothes whilst exploring how to minimise the negative impact that it may have. I really hope you'll join me in this journey. Last time Zero Waste designer Bugida Helmerson spoke to me for Check Your Thread, she hinted at an exciting project in the works that she couldn't disclose at the time. Well, turns out that exciting secret project was writing a book. It's called Zero Waste Patterns. It's fantastic and it's available now. It employs the concept of blocks, which can be transformed and manipulated to make a whole host of zero-waste garments. It's a big development in the world of zero-waste sewing. And today's episode is a conversation with Birgitta as she tells us all about how and why she created it. But first, I want to know how you're doing this week. I hope this episode finds you well and happy. Thanks so much to everyone who left some feedback on last week's episode. That was the introduction to garment fabrics. Colour Joy Lynn on Instagram left a comment saying, This episode is brilliant. I don't know how you did such a great job in such a concise and short amount of time. Thank you so much for that. It really made my day. Thanks also to those of you who responded to my query on whether you'd like a downloadable resource version of the episode. Enough of you said yes to make me think that it'll be worth my while putting it together. So I'll get on that this week and I'll let you know when it's available. So have you been doing any making recently? I've embarked on a selfish sewing project, which is actually using only scraps and leftovers. I want to hoover up as many of my slinky woven scraps, by which I mean like viscose and tensile scraps, as possible. I'm going to piece them together using a similar patchworking method that I used for my patchwork denim quilted jacket. So far, I've gathered them all up and I've made sure they're all pre-washed. Like Tencel and viscose tend to shrink a bit when they're washed. So I want to make sure that the different fabrics won't shrink at different rates when they've been combined together. Then after that, I ironed them all and I've trimmed a lot of them into rectangles and then I've started piecing them together. I do that by picking two rectangles that have an edge of about the same length. I'm stitching them together and then I'm overlocking the raw edges and then pressing the seam down. Then I either add a third rectangle to that pair or I put two pairs together and the shapes grow. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Sustainability wise this week, it's been all about acquiring and discarding kids clothes as responsibly as possible. As I mentioned last week, I recently scored my daughter a couple of jackets on Vinted. And this week, I was able to hook both my kids up with heaps of second-hand school uniform items from the school's uniform sale. You might recall that previously, I helped sort out and sell the second-hand school uniform items. More recently, the school itself have decided to take on the selling of the second-hand school clothes. Although I like to think that they thought that it was possible because of all the sorting and organising that I did last year. Anyhow, the important thing is that all those clothes are accessible for families to buy. I also had a big sort out of my daughter's wardrobe last week. I bagged up all the items and made sure it ended up in the hands of a family with two younger girls who were really grateful for all the clothing. It's always better, if you can, to donate clothing directly to people who you know will use it, 
rather than sending it off to the already overstuffed charity shops and thrift stores. Especially the items that have a tiny floor, you know. For example, one of the items that I passed on was a pair of like denim dungaree shorts and it had like a tiny felt tip mark that I couldn't remove. The mum that I donated them to didn't care at all because she knows that's what happens to kids' clothes. But I wonder if they would have been scrapped if I'd sent them to a charity shop, you know. So this week, I am saying a huge thanks to new patron Lena for signing up to support the podcast via Patreon. I also get to say a massive thanks to existing patron Megan for choosing to up the amount of their support as well. Big, big thanks to both of you. If you want to help keep the good ship Check Your Thread afloat, please find the link to do so in the show notes and on the website checkyourthread.com. You can sign up to make monthly donations of any amount that you like, but roughly the price of a cup of coffee is a popular amount. This podcast is run entirely on caffeine, so that's pretty suitable. You really will be helping make it possible for me to continue to make this podcast. So if you can offer your support, it would be incredible. So back to today's episode. Bagita has been on this podcast previously. Those were episodes 54 and 55. And that was where she spoke all about her incredibly interesting career journey and how she works to create the amazing zero waste garments and patterns that she sells. I'd definitely recommend checking those out before listening to this one as a useful bit of background. Anyways, a lot of you who have already listened to those episodes cite them as some of your very favourites. So I know you're going to get a lot from this one also. So remember, all the links to all the things we discuss are in the show notes. Have a great week, take care of yourself and enjoy. So how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it's been a pretty good year actually. Yeah, I feel positive and good this year. Last year was like great, but really, really hard. And so I feel like... Yeah, we went back to Australia for the first time in five years over Christmas. So that was a huge deal for all of us, really, because it's been so long and we have so much family there and my partner's whole family is there and lots of cousins and lots of, you know, things like that. Yeah, how long did you go for? We were there for six weeks. Nice. um, And it was very overwhelming, actually, because it was the first time we went back since moving here. And mm. also since COVID and everything. So, you know, had this long period of not even be able, being able to get into Australia, which was super weird. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't, I've just noticed you've got a book out. Yes, well, <laughs> that did happen too. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. So first, um, I'm, of course, going to recommend that listeners go back, if they haven't already, and listen to the first two episodes of Check Your Thread that you were on, which was number 54 and 55. Um, so those were a deep dive into your like whole journey yes. towards zero waste yeah. and your career. Um, and we also got into the design process that, that you work yes. on and uh, a lot of the challenges as well yeah. related to and that. So peeps, go and listen to that. When did we do that one? What, what year was that? Was it last year or was it the year before? 2022? No, I yeah, I, I'm sure we could easily look was, back. Because that, that, they were episodes 54 and 55 and the episode you're going to be on is going to be 98 so almost half a podcast ago yeah (laughs) you've got to come back every 50 episodes exactly (laughs) cool so congratulations on your book because you you were sneakily hinting about it at the end of our last conversation (laughs) that's why I was asking I thought well I must have been writing the book when we had the last podcast but um 
yeah, of course, I couldn't really talk about it. No. Um, and that was really, really hard. <laughs> it must be. Like, I've got this thing. It's massive. It's taking over my life. Exactly. Because it does. It's, it's pretty much all consuming. For anyone that's written a book, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, yeah, so it, it really was taking over everything and also just creatively as well because I felt like, you know, I had so many new ideas going into the book and then so in every other aspect of my work I, I was quite creatively dry. It was difficult for me to come up with other ideas on top of what was happening in the book for new patterns. And So first of all, could you please describe to people who haven't seen your book yet like what they will discover yes. if they pick it up? So my book called Zero Waste Patterns, it's a book of 20 projects to sew your own wardrobe using zero waste pattern cutting and so basically the book is based on five core patterns which we're calling blocks uh, so there's a tee a singlet a trouser a shirt and a skirt and these are quite minimal simple shapes um, that come in a, quite a wide range of sizes and then from there there's a further 15 projects and so you basically can use these core patterns to make small changes and adjustments and you know mix and match them yeah, you can even combine them, exactly. can't you? Yeah, and so that's basically the whole concept of the book is to sort of learn these core patterns first and then use those, you know, you, you can go go wild with it and make your own, you know, designs yeah. too. Yeah, you could, you could use it as a starting point for your own and, and exactly. go somewhere else Exactly, as well. and that's really my whole, you know, that's really what I wanted to do with this book, yeah. So how did, how did it come about? Was it an idea that you had brewing and then you kind of pitched it around or did somebody no, approach so you? I was actually approached by my now publisher. It was, what was last year, 2022. So towards the end of 2021, initially, I think I had had these ideas in my head. I just didn't realise that it would become a book. Interesting. But I definitely, you know, once this happened and we started talking and they thought it would be a really interesting idea for a book um, to use, you know, zero waste patterns. Um, and my now editor, you know, she had seen some friends of hers, you know, making garments from her patterns. And uh, that it sort of started popping up and then she looked into my work and, and that's when she got in touch. So, but I think straight away I knew what I wanted to do. It, it just hasn't been done yet, you know, with zero waste patterns. I mean, I think... Now there's more and more information out there and so many different patterns you can try um, as well. But when I first started, I mean, there was almost nothing to sort of look at, I guess, because where I started with pattern making myself is that I learned um, how to make blocks. And, you know, you, you make a, a bodice, a skirt, a sleeve, you know, a trouser. Um, and then you kind of save those blocks and you use those then to design anything you're going to do. You, you know, you always have that as a starting point. And I didn't feel like there was anything like that for zero waste patterns. And also, I think it's so easy to overcomplicate zero waste patterns. And I really wanted to come up with these very kind of simple shapes that are still kind of timeless and easy to change and, and adjust. And so I think that I already had that kind of floating in my head. So when I got, was approached... I thought, okay, well, this will be perfect. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like, this is the chance to yeah, get that idea exactly, out there. Exactly. Yeah. That's so cool. In a way, it's almost like you're bridging the two worlds of pattern cutting in a way. Yeah. Isn't it? Like the traditional, you start with a block, you adapt them, blah, 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 and the zero waste yeah. approach. You're kind of like bringing exactly. them together in and a way. Of course, I mean, the method of adjusting a zero waste pattern or changing it is very, very different to the more conventional sort of pattern making methods. But I, you know, my, my background 
is initially with more conventional pattern making and that's how I first learned and and I, I talk about this you know in the introduction of my book as well but I mean when I first learned how to make a pattern uh, I made a block for my own measurements and then that was sort of a few weeks of figuring that out I was going to this small school and then you know after that then we started learning how to manipulate that pattern and move the darts and add gathers and you know all sorts of things and it was so liberating I, I felt so excited by it you know I thought I really wanted to do something like that but with zero waste patterns amazing well you've, you've achieved it it's incredible thank so you so what was it like <laughs> you were saying like it was really tough to kind of I mean it was very all-consuming like yes. making the book yeah. like because yeah. you've got lots of other elements in your life yes, and exactly. in your business haven't you like <laughs> yeah. how did you juggle all of that um so I think the biggest thing was being very very organized I think I am I can't say I've always been very organized, actually. It's taken me many, many years. Um, <laughs> you know, like I've, I've had my business now for 10 years, five years in Australia, five years here. So it's taken me about that long. Um, but no, I'm, I'm actually getting a lot better at being organized in general with work. You know, like my life revolves around lists. I will every day I will look through my list and I'll add and remove and, you know, reorganize. Yeah. Um, the list is never empty. It's just that it kind of it morphs into different things. Does a lot of it roll over to the next day <laughs> yeah, or the next week? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it rolls continuously forever if you want it to. Um, so, you know, and there's, you know, priority sections and there's, you know, more like long-term ideas sections and there's, you know. But so I do like to be very, very organised. And what I've learned from also doing the patterns in the last bunch of years too is that things take a lot longer than you expect. Um, <laughs> so, and I think also when when I pitched the idea and then they approved it, then I had actually quite a good sort of schedule. You know, you don't hand everything in at once. It's like, okay, in th at this month we want this part and this month we want this part. So I was able to sort of work through that. Stops it being too overwhelming, I guess, yeah. as well. And you really got to do like a little bit every day because, I mean, if you don't, it's so much work. <laughs> a lot of the patterns are totally new, even though I had the ideas in my head. And yeah, when I have ideas for new patterns, the shapes and the layouts also kind of float slightly in my head if I can kind of imagine in my head how it would be, but I hadn't tested all of them. And I honestly wasn't even sure if it was possible. <laughs> but I knew, I knew what I wanted to do. You know, I, I knew I wanted, you know, a shirt and a tee and a pant and, a, you know, all of those kind of core shapes, but I wasn't sure how they would look yet and if they would really be as I had imagined them. So there was a lot of testing, a lot of prototyping, you know, testing sizes, testing fabric widths. Yeah, yeah, it was a process. Yeah. <laughs> so also it is such a beautifully designed book as well. Like how much input did you have in like the whole look of it? So I had a lot of references and things that I sent of what I wanted, but I think that we were so well aligned in our vision for it aesthetically. Nice. And I think when I also, um, my publisher, which is Quadrille, before, you know, we went through the whole pitching and everything and before we actually signed the contract, you know, I looked into them and saw what they'd done before and, and saw their aesthetic and style and I felt like it was sort of the perfect match. So I feel like right from the beginning it was very aligned um, and in terms of the actual layout and design of the book, I was happy with the first concept they sent me, basically. 
So, and it was so amazing. You know, I've always had to do almost everything myself and I am quite particular, I think, because of that. So I remember many years ago, I'd be like, oh, I might just send this off to a graphic designer because I just, I want someone else's vision. And, you know, I just, I think they could do it better than how I am doing it. And then they would send it back and it wasn't what I imagined, you know, and there would be this like back and forth. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do it myself. So that's happened a lot. I mean, it's probably just because I'm, you know, I'm just um, micromanaging or whatever, and I'm just used to doing everything myself. <laughs> I'm sure they were great ideas, but I was like, no, it's not what I want. <laughs> yeah. So, but what was really, really brilliant with this process was that I had help for that. It's like, I've never had those kind of resources available to me. You know, we had an amazing designer, Emily, and she, yeah, she just really got me and she knew exactly how it should look and she really helped to make the layout so clear and concise like you know that's been a real struggle with my own patterns and I try to make it as clear as possible but I'm not a graphic designer she just really knew how to do that well so I'm really happy with how that all came together yeah I mean it does look like your house style it does look well, like an extension exactly, of your and website that's what I really and your love about it you know I feel like it's really me but yeah, I had so much help in being able to put that together because, I mean, that's a huge job, you know, in itself. <laughs> yes. so I was really relieved when, <laughs> you know, yeah, that was uh, really great to be able to get and just to yeah. be able to bounce ideas off of them and, you know, we can work together on things and, yeah, that was a really great experience. Yeah. Amazing. And what about the photography? I was quite surprised yeah. to see you in it, actually. Oh, I know. That was that was their idea. Um, but, you know, I, I thought, well... <laughs> I guess it makes sense. And in a way, I mean, the book in a way is kind of feels to me quite personal because it is in a way it's like up to this point, it is a, a bit like my life's work, I would say, you know, it professionally. So it, it sort of felt like, okay, well, maybe it's good if I am in it too. And yeah, a couple of the models are my friends and a couple of really great people that we've used as well before um, as models in our online shoots and uh, everyone was um, local within Malmö. So it looks like a lovely sunny day yeah, that day. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was beautiful. We, we actually took the photos at my family's farm. Um, oh, cool. So that was quite oh, special Oh, that's really too. personal. Yeah, so that was, um, yeah, that was really personal and this is a place that I used to visit as a child and it's been in my family for maybe four generations at least. It's really nice to be able to go back and visit it and um, yeah, it's got a lot of memories for me. So that was, yeah, that was super special as well to That's be able to do so that. That's so nice. Yeah. So who was the photographer? Is it somebody that you'd worked with before? So um, my publisher uh, sent me some ideas of photographers. So they had a few people in mind and I just looked through their work and I went with um, Emily Bendixson, who was so amazing and I loved working with her. Um, and I find that when I choose photographers, I often choose someone that's not really a fashion photographer. So Emily does a lot of like beautiful sort of food photography and you know, photography Ooh. of, I guess, like people's workspaces and really lovely kind of natural um, shots. And then some of the other photographers that I looked at that they sent, they were great as well, but it was a bit more like fashion 
uh, a bit more styled yeah. and, and I mean yeah. it wasn't like I don't know Vogue magazine vibe it was very natural still it was really really nice okay. but I was like no I'm gonna go with the one that's as far away from the fashion out of all of those and I just really loved her vibe well they came off amazing yeah I was so happy with all of it and yeah it was just also really nice I think to have uh, some nature in there because it just gave it some life uh, especially when it's so heavy with instructions and templates and yeah, that's a nice contrast. So back to the projects in the book. Yes. So what's your favourite? Do you have a favourite? Yeah, so I think my favourites would probably have to be the vintage shirt um, and the quilted jacket. I just, I mean, personally, I really love just the aesthetic of those and uh, and, and the quilted uh, jacket is where I really loved working on that because it's sort of patching together different pieces and that one was quite special because we actually had some offcuts from doing some of the other pieces in the vintage fabric so we actually used those offcuts in the quilted jacket oh cool and so that was a way of also incorporating everything somehow into you know the the samples and the pieces that we were doing yeah, yeah. So um, so when did the book come out? Uh, so it was released, well, in Australia it was April sometime and I don't know why they had it a bit earlier and then the rest of the world was late May. So it's been out for a bit now. Yes. So have you been seeing like projects popping up on Instagram and I stuff? I have. I've seen a lot of people actually, maybe because in Europe it's, you know, summer, um, a lot of people making the singlet and, and dress. It suddenly got very, very hot yes, actually in did. kind of it late May, like June. Instant, you know, one week to the next you're wearing like strappy dresses and yeah, exactly. So I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of people actually making the shorts and they look great. Uh, so yeah, it's really, I love seeing how other people interpret the patterns and it must be so gratifying yeah it's really great it's really really nice to see and you know just because everyone has their own way of of doing it and that's something I also have really loved with doing the sewing patterns that we do you know it's like it just really brings me so much joy seeing how people use the patterns and the way that they make it their own I recently saw um, a lovely listener of Check Your Thread called Heine Rangi who made a gorgeous version of the singlet. It just looked like it looked so sweet and simple and just so crisp. Yeah, and just that's like, so nice. It's exactly what you <laughs> want it. to wear Love when it's it. hot. Yeah. <laughs> and I also saw um, previous guest Liz Hayward, ah, yes, another zero waste yes. pattern designer. She did a blog post actually on the shirt. Yeah, it looked great. That shirt was so good. I was immediately like, I want to make that right this second. And yeah, and the, and the blog post was really, really good, yeah, wasn't it? it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. That actually kind of got me thinking, actually, because Liz was, I think Liz was saying that this is the first zero waste pattern that she'd made. The first one of yours. I can't remember. It yes. was something, it was something yeah, along those yeah, lines. Yeah. At the moment, like the zero waste pattern world, it's relatively small, isn't it? Yeah, still compared definitely. to like the, the whole indie yeah. pattern world, and that kind of got me thinking. Like, do you think that like different zero waste designers have almost like different signature approaches or, or solutions to certain yeah, problems? Yeah, I definitely think so, and I think especially because there's not so much out there yet to kind of research and look into you really got to come up with your own ways of doing the finishes and things like that it's quite hard to get that right and you've got to be quite creative in how you do it because you can't just always use more traditional ways of doing things you've got to think outside the square a bit so I definitely think it's led to there being yeah different techniques and and methods um and and ways of doing things for sure with with different designers yeah I'm imagining that when you see another 
zero waste pattern you could almost like read it and interpret it in a way that like just regular sewers can't and you could maybe be like really appreciate some of that the solutions that they've come up with like that's really yeah definitely definitely because you kind of see it and then you take the shape and you're like ah okay and that goes around yeah yeah nice you know it is yeah definitely yeah I mean I I know you're you're super busy but do you get time to like check out what's going on in the rest of the zero waste pattern world you know I mean I definitely see what you know I see what comes up you know I follow a lot of different um zero waste designers and pattern makers online and there's a really great um zero waste design collective as well which have been doing amazing work in bringing together you know a library of, of designs and and things that other people can use as as references and so they're really really fantastic but I I think with my own designs I think because when I started you know over 10 years ago there wasn't really anything for me to go by um yeah so I feel like now when I do come up with new ideas I I very rarely use other people's patterns or look at other people's patterns I think I'm also a little bit in the back of my mind afraid of being too influenced by it because in a way oh okay sometimes I think with a zero waste design there's certain things where it can only go one way in the end so once you see it it's like okay it's difficult to not almost copy it and so I really want to try and come up with my own original ways of doing things as much as possible but I think this actually compared to 10 years ago I mean there's so much amazing stuff out there now and amazing resources compared to you know before and I think if I was starting now I would absolutely be using other people's designs and seeing how they're doing it and and just like gathering all this information and trying to you know and then making it my own you know because there's so much um you can look at now absolutely yeah it's really exciting it is, isn't it? it is it's really really exciting to see so i got a couple of questions to put to you that have been submitted by the check your thread newsletter yes. subscribers the first is from danielle so danielle would like to hear more about how zero waste patterns can work for larger sizes yes. so danielle said i live in australia where wide fabrics are harder to come by and i feel that this is a barrier to zero waste sewing patterns for me when i'm a size 18 to 20 Um, as sizing often depends on a wider fabric width. Daniel's saying, I already have the book. It seems harder to make suggested adjustments required to create the patterns lengthwise rather than across. So what Daniel is referring to there is how the cutting layouts for some of the projects in larger sizes, they are suggesting that you position the pieces on like the opposite direction perpendicular yes. to the grain yeah, i know yeah. i always find it so right. hard to explain how to <laughs> but yes <laughs> yeah. it's going that the way. other way yes so um I, I think danielle is concerned that when you're doing this some fabrics might stretch or like do you, might stretch over time or yeah. do you know what I mean? like not be yeah. as as robust as if you're mm-hmm. cutting it on the grain so do you have any tips or advice for cutting out some of the larger sizes particularly when the sizes are exceeding the the width that they're able to get hold of firstly i would say that um it depends greatly on the fabric that you're using we actually use uh, our patterns going that direction for many sizes not just extended okay. larger sizes depending on the fabric widths that we have to work with depending on the patterns we're using and the design layouts we're doing and so you've got a lot of experience of, of positioning things and so on yeah it really depends on the fabric for example we have a fabric we use a lot here that's uh, this really lovely organic cotton uh, shirting it's sort of 
I don't know if it's a poplin, but it's like quite structured, but it's quite lightweight at the same time. And it's only 120 centimeters wide. So we often use that going the other direction. And that one's great because it doesn't have a lot of mechanical stretch going, would you say widthways? Yeah. So I think it has a lot to do with the me mechanical stretch. I think also being worried about um, garments bagging out and that kind of thing, that's mainly relevant to fitted garments. So if you've got pressure and pushing on on you know say like tight jeans and the knees are pushing you're going to get some stretch and movement there so yeah it really depends a lot on the fabric um yeah so maybe avoid fabrics that are very loosely exactly. woven exactly don't get anything for for example that has a bit of stretch in it i think for me um the issue that I sometimes have with cutting the other direction is it doesn't fall in the same way. I'm not so concerned about it stretching or bagging out, but it's more that sometimes uh, it can be a little bit stiffer. It, it doesn't have the same kind of drape, but again, it depends a lot on the fabric you're doing. It depends on, so this is more specifically, say, if I'm making something with gathers and, and sometimes cutting the other way, sometimes certain linens, more kind of thicker structured linens can fall a little bit differently. But then you can also use that to your advantage if you want that mm. look because it can be a slightly puffier look. I used to do a lot of work with costume, like theatre and, and things, and I made some um, tutus. And there's certain ways that you cut the direction of the chul to get different types of effects. And it's kind of the same, I guess, with fabric. Like if you want to have a really stiff, you know, tutu, then you cut it a particular direction as opposed to a softer falling tutu would be cut the other way so that's just an example you know more extreme example because that's a very like yeah. stiff structured sort of shapes but I really don't think it's an issue doing that as you know cutting the other way as long as your fabric uh, allows for it but I can also recommend I mean and this is the whole sort of concept with the book that you learn the core shapes and the particular size that your size garment fits into and then you can figure out how to lay that on your fabric so for example if you're doing a trouser and you're doing the trouser in, say, the 4XL or 5XL, so you want to cut the traditional way down the fabric, cut two legs down and then two legs below, and then you'll have space running down the other side and you can cut a second garment there, like a shirt or a yeah. top. So it's about figuring out, you know, other layouts that work for you because, of course, everything with Zero Waste pattern cutting is dependent on the fabric width, size you're using, Every time we cut a new design, we're always just quickly scribbling out new layouts because it changes a little bit every single time. Sure. Yeah. If you yeah, if you want that on the grain thing, yeah, think of it. It's going to be minimal waste rather exactly. than zero. Waste. And you could use the offcut because I think even if you do have offcuts, sometimes because you've got to cut say a particular rectangle size or or square size, then those offcuts are very they're straight edged and so they're easier to incorporate into other projects I think yeah than having all these little bitty you know curves and, and and things like that yeah yeah definitely awesome okay I've got another question okay. <laughs> this is from subscriber Nikki so Nikki says I am intrigued by zero waste patterns but haven't tried any yet because they often seem very voluminous and unfitted mm -hmm. so I guess that's Nikki yes. has a different style so my question for Begita would be are there any tips for improving the fit of zero waste garments while maintaining zero waste especially for a larger bust so um i guess what you're talking about is improving the fit as in making it more fitted that's what i interpreted that to me so yeah. i would say i mean for me personally i don't like to design 
zero waste patterns that are super fitted. But the book has many shapes in it that are not what you would think like a, a typical zero waste garment would be. I mean, many of our previous designs that I've done, like the gather dress and the crop shirt, yeah, they are oversized. And personally, I really love that aesthetic. And I know lots of other people do as well. But if you don't, if it's not your cup of tea, then I would go for a different design, you know. But in the book, the, the trouser, you know, is, is a much more kind of fitted shape at the top. The singlet as well. I mean, even though it isn't fitted around the waist and everything, it, it is very nicely fitted under the arm. And Yeah, it's because it's got bust darts. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, it's definitely possible to do more fitted garments. If you want to go for something that is much more fitted and figure hugging, then there are other designers that do patterns like that, but they can be very complex sometimes. Or, you know, I think that they can be amazing. It's, it's so clever to see how the pieces kind of slot together and and everything but they are uh, relatively advanced sometimes I think so it depends a bit on your sewing skill level as well but in terms of say making simple adjustments so for myself I actually have quite a large bust myself and so often I will put a dart uh, in the side even with an oversized garment it makes quite a big difference because you have less kind of fabric and get a kind of bunching going down the side and even if it's oversized, it makes a huge difference in just how it sits and falls. So there's a dart that we do in the zero waste soft blouse, which is one of the patterns that we have. And that's a dart that's basically just, you would measure from your shoulder down to roughly where you want the dart and then add around five centimeters because the, the shoulder seam sits a bit back on that garment. And then it, it's just basically like a adding maybe three to six centimeters on the side and then bringing a straight dart across into the front. I mean, I'm trying to, it's hard to explain. What's going to happen is if you, you keep the shape exactly the same, but you add a dart into the side seams of the front bodice uh, at the positioning that you like, but they need to be totally horizontal. That's going this way, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so they can't be on an angle because that'll change the, the shape of your side seam too much. So totally straight. Basically, that just lifts that excess fabric out of the front. It means your back is going to be a little bit longer. Uh, so you'll need to either cut away that strip and use it as a facing somewhere or find a way to incorporate it into your garment. But if anyone who owns the, the soft blouse, you can see how easy it is to do. Yeah, and it does make a really nice shape for some, especially someone yeah. that has a slightly bigger bust. And doing kind of like fisheye darts you know either kind of below the bust or do you know what I mean like the the darts that look like oh yeah like I mean, almost like oh, a kite yeah you, you could, could do, definitely do that and sometimes on the back as well if you yeah. just wanted to bring it in a little bit yeah just for sure to taper it just the depends on because the thing with darts and they really change the shape of all those edges so with more conventional pattern making when you're adding darts and everything you you often have to kind of smooth off the lines and the shapes along the the waist and the side so um but I mean there's definitely ways of doing it I mean we've used darts a lot of times uh either in the bust or even in the arm so often when you have this like oversized sort of boxy um uh, sometimes the bell jacket yeah is that that has darts in the in the hem in the sleeve hem but even at the elbow point because uh, often the arm will hang down longer on the inside than the outside because it's this very straight shape so you can add in a little dart here and that will raise it up and make it sit slightly differently too and that's also in the soft blouse that that was a pattern that we really used darts in to, to sort of show how you can slightly manipulate and, and change the shape a little bit yeah yeah 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was also thinking as well, like if, if Nikki is finding that a garment is a bit voluminous and a bit kind of more boxy, mm. even maybe inserting like ties like into the yeah. side seams. Yeah. You could like either tie it the front or the back yeah. or wrap it round just to bring in, just to control the volume yeah. a slight bit. And I mean, actually one example of something you can get pretty fitted is in the book the wrap top you know and that's actually great for a big bust and that yes. just wraps across and you wrap it around and tie and yeah so that that is an example actually of how you can I get a more fitted literally garment. just so I was flicking through the book before we chat I was just <laughs> taking a photo of that to send to my friend Saskia because we were having a conversation last night online of like what patterns I think we were thinking each other would look yeah. good and I was like she would look incredible <laughs> in that actually that is one of my other favorite pieces in in uh, design in the book as well I have to say I really and in the linen like it's just so something about it feels so kind of luxurious and, and yeah yeah but you could make it you could even make it in something even luxier absolutely like, silk or yeah it would be beautiful yeah, could look amazing yeah. um okay so I guess the last question related to your book that I've got is would you write another one <laughs> um you know I think about this from time to no I definitely um would uh, if the right idea came to me or if, you know, it was presented as an option. I definitely would consider it. I think I, I've thought about this a lot, actually, on and off for the last few months because, you know, it, it, if you've written one book and the book goes well, it's possible that you might be asked to do another one. And sometimes I wonder, you know, if I was what, what I would do. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I'm sure I have another one in me if if, if it were to be the case. But yeah, I I think knowing how it went the first time, I think I'll be more prepared. I think the, th- the only thing that I found really difficult, I think, of writing the book was more the amount of nights that I ended up having to do. Yeah, a lot of hours spent at home, you know, when the kids were asleep or even when they're awake and my partner's taking the reins, which he does a lot anyway. <laughs> um, so that I found that really hard. And then, you know, it becomes all consuming and it's difficult for you to really think or focus on anything else because it's just all you can think about. And uh, my partner calls it being kitchened. He's a chef by trade. And, you know, when he used to work in the kitchen all the time and doing these long hours, double shifts, it's just in Australia, it's quite, in Sweden, it's a little bit easier, I think. But in Australia, it's this very intense, uh, you know, job all the time, yeah. as I'm sure it is in many countries. Um, and he just couldn't, like, hold conversations with anyone other than the people he worked with because, you know, you just completely deep you know when you're so tunnel visioned yeah. into what you're doing you 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 just like living that yeah yeah um, like I can't talk about yeah, exactly <laughs> so um I felt extremely kitchened for most of the year um but I think yeah if I was to do it a second time I would just find a way to navigate that so it's not as much yeah yeah of that happening okay <laughs> well, I look forward to it if it happens we'll cool. see okay um one more question so uh I've seen that as well as writing your lovely book and producing patterns and everything you've also been making some amazing garments using a lot of vintage linens yes. and and things like that they look so amazing and I was kind of thinking about does that then add an extra layer of kind of challenge because obviously when you're working with a vintage linen you've got like a it's not even on a roll no. you've got a really set dimension yeah. to work with so how are you doing that are you adapting your blocks within what you've got or are you accepting that it's going to be more minimal waste like how how's that generally going? speaking 
there is very little waste because I try to work within the sizes that we have. So I'll have like a base pattern in mind, for example, the cropped shirt. And then I will take the piece that I want as the main part of the fabric. And maybe it's like a tablecloth or something. And often they're square. A lot of these vintage pieces, they're totally square. And actually they're, they're not too bad in size. They're usually like maybe 120, maybe one, maybe a little less. This is a very you know, typical example. It's not always, of course, the case. But then I... I sometimes kind of try and scribble out and figure out, you know, on paper how I'm going to make it work. But say if it's like 120 wide, then I will use that as the total width of my body. And then I'll cut the sleeve from something else. And then I'll cut the neckband from something else, for example. And then when I have pieces left over from those other fabrics I've cut, I'll then incorporate that into the next garment that I make. So it's really like, there's no kind of one way of doing it. Um, It's very much this sort of process of, yeah, just piecing it together and also just allowing it to become what it becomes because you can easily overthink to where you want everything to go and, you know, which piece to go here and there. So you've got to kind of let the process determine that a little bit as well. Cool, yeah, because obviously you've got maybe some embroidery or some cut work or yeah. something that you want to incorporate as well. Yeah, I can imagine you just really, your head's exploding with trying to work out yeah. where everything should yeah, go. exactly. But there's definitely some ways sometimes, and especially um, sometimes when the edges are really difficult to work with, you know, sometimes right. it can kind of stretch out over time and it's, it's been washed and pressed so many times that they, they get a little bit wiggly. But I still try and incorporate even because a lot of these beautiful old tablecloths have this beautiful edging, you know, they have a little bit of embroidery along it or something like that. So you can also incorporate that into the hems and and into the sleeves. And I mean, you can kind of use everything if you, if you, you know, are making more than one garment, you can find a way yeah. I think, to, to incorporate everything into it. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much for this. This has thank been really you. fun. Can you remind people where they can find you, where they can get your book? Yes. So um, you can find my book by just doing a quick Google search for Zero Waste Patterns book. And uh, it should be available really in most major retailers. And uh, then you can also find more of my work uh, through my website, which is uh, BegithaHelmerson.com and also uh, on Instagram, uh, which is at BegithaHelmerson. Uh, oh, and also, we're in Malmo. We have a little store and studio in Malmo. So if anyone is based in Sweden or in Malmo, then you can also come by and visit us when we are open in the store as well. Yeah. Amazing. I would love to visit you one should. day, but it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Megita. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and are left feeling inspired. For more info about the podcast, including show notes for this and every episode, head to checkyourthread.com. I'd love to hear from you, so if you have any comments, questions or ideas for future episodes, please get in touch by emailing zoe at checkyourthread.com or find me on Instagram at checkyourthread. Massive thanks to Patrick Potter for production support, to Sylvia Seller for the awesome logo design and to Simon at Palm Skin Productions for the music. This ad-free podcast would not be possible without listener support, so if you feel you are able, please consider signing up to the Check Your Thread Patreon. For the equivalent of buying me a coffee each month, you'll be making it possible to continue producing regular episodes. Links can be found in the show notes and on the website checkyourthread.com. I hope you'll listen again next week. Until then, take care. Bye!